Murder is always a mistake. One should never do anything that one cannot talk about after dinner. A quote by Oscar Wilde. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode on Texas Chicks Who Talk Murder. What's up Shay, how's it going? It's going good, I can't complain. Um, started school this week, so trying to stay caught up on that. Um, really busy at work and yeah, I just can't complain. Cleaning up the house, making sure we're putting pictures on the wall and all that. How about you? Oh, that sounds fun. That You're doing all the summer classes, those fast with the crap ton to do in one little bitty semester. Yep, <laughs> and I'm but, doing four of them, so it's gonna be real fun. Oh, whoo, girl, you're gonna need all the help, all the rest. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, good luck with that one. Um, I'm doing good. I can't complain. Definitely ready for the weekend. Busy at home, busy with the kids and the husband and my work and, you know, trying to get some sun, but it seems like I'm just burning my skin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. This month for us has been such a wild journey so far, and we have done our best to keep up with everything, but it just feels like one of those months where you do so much work just to get more work piling and piling up on your desk, doesn't it? It really does. Like, especially at work, my boss is like selling all these things and it's stressing me out, but I have to tell myself, Shiana, it'll be okay because it'll all be done when yeah. it needs to be done it'll all work out yeah you, you we tell ourselves that so we're like pulling our hair out and like I don't. going on i don't energy drinks well some of us go on energy drinks and then the other part of us are going on coffee so yeah it's just been one of those seasons but i can't complain super blessed and happy to be able to do these new things and with that being said, that doesn't mean that we don't like to get a break from reality and the craziness going all around us and share some of these crazy cases with you guys. So, are you ready? I'm always ready. Okay, good. Good answer. Today, we will be going over the tragic death of Angela Samoda. I got most of my information from wikipedia.org and the cinemaholic.com website. Angela had a name, obviously, but she went by the name <laughs> <laughs> She went by the name Angie and she was born in Alameda, California on September 19, 1964. She was a beautiful, smart, intelligent woman who was really trying to build herself an education and a life all on her own and for herself. She actually decided to enroll in Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. And during her time schooling, she became part of the Zeta Alpha sorority and really excelled in it. She was going to school to earn a degree in com computer science and electrical engineering. Like, I just want to say that in 1964, it was, I'm not going to say it was a long time ago, but it was at a time where women were just now starting to really travel and, you know, either become a nurse or a teacher. But 
at this time to to try and get your degree in computer science and electrical engineering was just not a time for women to be doing it there was mostly men in those fields so i feel like that's super impressive and that tells a lot on her character and and just from personal experience from my work it's actually rare now to have women in electrical engineering and computer science you mostly see men yes um which is super crazy because most of the time you see women go into the business degrees not saying that there isn't any women in it but yeah it's it's really cool to see i mean this long ago this woman was trying to do both of them and excelling at it which is yeah really freaking I, awesome yes i think so too and i feel like that tells like a lot about who she was as a person and have to have that kind of drive to literally travel states by yourself yeah across, you know the u.s and to go for something that was predominantly a male profession and at this time she had a boyfriend and um we'll talk about him a little bit later because he'll come up in the case and i want to state this because as we all know it happens more often than not that a person is murdered by their ex or current significant other like the case we covered on monday with shay yes and now we're going to talk about kind of what happened and one late evening on october 12th 1984 Angie and two of her friends, who happened to be a man and a woman, made plans to go down to the State Fair of Texas. This fair was held every year and hundreds of people attended every time it opened. Her boyfriend didn't join her in going down to the fair because he was currently working in construction and had to be up super, super early in the morning and wanted to make sure he got enough rest. Well, this is at least what he told police when given his statement after he was taken in for questioning in regards to what happened to Angie. Yeah, I was just about to say, oh yeah, that sounds like Jonathan, you know, he's always sleeping, but he wouldn't murder me, hopefully. Well, he better not, girl. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying like, oh, that that's like, sounds normal. But yeah. then you said that's what he told the police. Now I'm like, um, okay. Hmm. Got yeah. me thinking. So just, you know, you never, you can't never put anybody out, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So during that night of them going out, at some point, the three friends decided to go to the Rio Dance Club for some dancing. And the male friend told police that during their time out, Angie was very, very social. She walked from table to table, chatting with anyone, making conversations, and it seemed to him like she knew almost everyone at the club. After they were finished at the club, they loaded into a vehicle, which Angie was driving, so I can assume it was her car that they took, but it didn't confirm if it was hers or not. And one by one, she dropped her friends off. The first friend that she dropped off was the male, and that was around 1 o'clock in the morning, and then she went to go drop off the woman friend. I would like to also point out that the male and Angie live pretty close to one another. It was about a 5 to, minute, or five to 10 minute walking distance from one another. When police questioned him, he told them that after Andy dropped him off, he went inside his home and basically just went to bed. 
That's what they all say, though. Yeah. So mm. now we have a few different. Okay, is it the boyfriend? Did he really go to sleep because he had to work construction? Was it this guy she was with? Mm. Well, Stroking my chin in suspicion. I know. So before Angie actually went home, though, she would go and stop by her boyfriend's house and then return home. The boyfriend told police that around 1.45 in the morning, he received a call from Angie and she began telling him that there was this man in her home and asked her, um, like this man had asked her if he could use her phone in her bathroom. When speaking with the investigators, he said that he wasn't sure if she let him in or if he was already there when she literally walked through the front door. And that Angie kept telling him, just talk to me. Like, can you talk to me? Like, talk to me on the phone. I'm guessing he was silent because maybe he was supposed to be mad. I'm not sure because I don't really know what that meant whenever he was telling the police investigators that. He was telling them that he didn't know if she let him in or she brought him home. Like, I would be pretty... uh, I don't even know what the word for it is, but if Jesse called me saying that this woman was in his home, and like I would not be silent about it. You know what I mean? No, especially not if you like if you're coming home at one forty-five at night and then you walk into your house and and if this was the case, um, and there's a a man in your house and like, hey, can I use your phone in your restroom? Well, you're already in here, so why are you asking me these questions? Like that's when like we would square up right then and there um but yeah that's super odd even even if she like let him in it doesn't matter you would still want to be vocal and talk to them and like clearly she's calling because she's uncomfortable something is not right to her whether she let him in or not it doesn't matter back in the day they didn't think about all of that they didn't think about we're not gonna let a stranger in our house so to me I feel like Mm, he's being a little suspicious. Yeah, I was like uneven whenever I was, you know, firstly researching this part and then finding out, okay, what exactly really happened. But after she kept telling him, talk to me, can you just talk to her or talk to me or whatever, um, she basically said that she needed to hang up and that she was going to call him back. But she would never end up returning the phone call. I just want to stop really quickly again before we go any further. Like, I feel like that statement to the police is sus right off the bat. Because if you were to call me, like if you, Shay, were to call me and tell me a man is in your home at 1.45 in the morning, the first thing out of my mouth would be, was he already there or did you let him in? Second would be, do you know this man? And if so, who is this man? Like, Like, that is so weird. Like, why are you not investigating the situation as her boyfriend you're just going to be quiet about it yeah and like I I guess if she's like a friendly person um like like the guy said before oh she was talking to all the people at the bar maybe it could have been that she knew this person but they were just started to act really weird because if she's in school I'm sure she knows a lot of people and that's when you first said like oh she's talking to everybody like she was she knew all of them she possibly could have she was in a sorority she was always talking to people and 
you know, she goes to all these classes for her degree, you know, she could have known a lot of those people and she, maybe she even knew this person. But the thing is, with that is, when she was on the phone with the boyfriend, she said, there's a man in my house. Mm -hmm. She didn't say Tyler or Ben is in my house. She did not know the name of that man or she would have said it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, weird, okay? Super After weird. she hung up and didn't call him back, this is when the boyfriend decided to call her. And after he got no answer, he went to her home and knocked on the door and still did not get an answer. So after not getting a response, he made a few phone calls which connected him to the police station and they were dispatched in minutes. They would arrive at her house at 2.17 a.m. and ended up having to break through the door in order to get in there. They discovered Angie's lifeless body naked and covered in blood on her bed. Autopsy results would come back confirming that she had been sexually assaulted and she died from multiple stab wounds to her heart. Like, that is so sad to me. Like, even if at this point we don't know, well, I know, but y'all don't know if the boyfriend did it or not, but to know that maybe he didn't and know that you're the last person to speak to her alive and you didn't say anything on the phone to try and see who this man was you were just silent because you were mad yeah i also think it's a little weird that that she called at 145 he gave her some time so probably let's say 10 minutes um that's like 155 then he's like there in 10 minutes and he calls 911 so he's also the same distance away from like the friend was five to ten minutes yes that so, is very hmm so at this time, obviously they found her and the police started investigating the crime scene and collected what could have been DNA. But as we all know, at this time period, there wasn't very much technology that could really help detective close cases. And at first, they suspected the 23-year-old male who attended Angie and that other woman the night that they went out to the fair and then they went to the club. They also suspected that her boyfriend could also be the killer that they were searching for. During their times of questioning, they really couldn't pin anything on them, or anyone for that matter, and the case remained unsolved for quite some time. It actually wasn't until 22 years later, in 2006, when Detective Linda Crum, who was over her case at the time, decided to take another look and see if any of the samples they had taken of blood, semen, fingernails, and any DNA that they could find at the scene. And this took about two years later, in the year 2008, they reached results from the DNA testing and it all linked back to a man named Donald Bess, who happened to be, at the time Angie was killed, serving a 25-year parole sentence. Donald was not who police had originally suspected when they first found Angie's body. From what I could gather, there was no link to him and Angie at all, but I could be wrong. It may have not been, you know, open to the public. The roommate of Angie was Sheila Wysocki, 
and she stated that the investigators weren't really looking into her killer anymore. And it wasn't until people kept bothering Detective Linda Crum that she was finally agreeing to re-examine it. So all that time, 22 years, all that time, they were just going to keep her case on the shelf and not even reopen it after all the new DNA technology was launched in the 2000s. And That's so frustrating. I know. I was like, are you kidding me? But her friend Sheila was at the time pursuing a career in criminal justice, trying to get her own license to become a private investigator in hopes to help solve the case of her beloved friend. The trial began in the year 2010 and Donald Best Jr. was already back in prison serving a life sentence. He was initially caught in 1978, so this was about six years before the murder of Angie for aggravated kidnapping and sexually assaulting someone, but ended up paroling just before he found Angie. Stop paroling sexual assault people. Yes, and kidnapping. And no, kidnap. Either way, stop paroling them. I know. <laughs> so I don't understand the logic of paroling someone who can aggravate kidnapping and sexually assault somebody. That doesn't make any sense. I really don't understand that. But they can keep people in there who had an ounce of weed on them or something. Like, that doesn't... Oh, yeah. My brain just, like, I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. They much rather parole somebody for, like, drugs. And I'm like... Literally. Why? But this Donald guy would end up getting arrested for a completely unrelated case to Angie's only one year after murdering her in 1985. And he was arrested for aggravated rape, one count of aggravated kidnapping, and sexual assault. He received, he at this time, since obviously he provoked the parole the first time around, He would now receive life imprisonment and would serve his time in Harris County, Texas. It was stated that during his trial for the murder and sexual assault of Angie, many, 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 I'm talking numerous women came forth to testify that he had also sexually assaulted them. His ex-wife also testified against him. They were married for three years before divorcing, and she stated that he abused both her and her child. And with Angie's case, the prosecutors were seeking the death sentence because he was already serving a life sentence in prison and felt that the death sentence was what was needed to be done for her justice to be served. So obviously, he was charged and found guilty and the death sentence was granted according to one of the last updates from 2016 that i found donald was still waiting for a date to be set for execution until then he remains waiting in polunsky prison quick note in 2021 investigation discovery released a murder documentary called betrayed co-ed killer which actually covers the death of angie samoda in her story but 
that basically wraps up today's episode. Shay, what did you think? I think that it's very, very unfortunate that a woman's murder could have been, it could have not happened if they would have just kept a sexual assault and kidnapping person in prison and not paroled them. And not only her case, but many, many, many other women could have not been sexually assaulted and another woman could could have not been kidnapped and sexually assaulted. There's just, I'm just trying to stay calm because you know, y'all know how I am. I'm very vocal. Yes. And but I'm just like, this is irking my last nerve. I'm so tired of these people being released and just like, oh, yep, you're good. You're fine. Yes, you exactly. Go. I totally agree with that. And I really beg to question that if Angie was the only victim to be actually murdered, because with all the women coming forth saying that they were also kidnapped and sexually assaulted by Donald, why on earth would Angie be the only victim that he murdered? Yeah, I, I, I highly doubt it. I agree with you. Yes. I feel like there are cases that they haven't linked yet or connected the DNA or something of the other because it just doesn't make sense to me but yeah, it's <laughs> yeah I think I, I definitely whenever I was researching this I definitely thought the boyfriend was sus because I'm like why were you not concerned that this unidentified male was in your girl's house why did you not go over there why did you not call police the first time when she wasn't picking up the phone I had all these questions and then just for it to not have been him i was like wow what a twist in it yeah right yes that was a great case good job covering it by the way thank you i thought it was super um you know interesting and i love that her story is even being told on tv i think that that's awesome i want to thank everyone who tuned into our podcast to hear another sad story regarding a person people knew and loved if you could please take a minute or give us um, or two to give us a review or rating on whatever platform you're listening to us onto today, that would be awesome. But for now, always remember to stay out of dark places and watch your back because you never know who's lurking. Bye. Bye.